radio. They couldn't make the pass. The puck is loose, though, and Lars Ellers takes it. Penalty's over. Subban's back on. Pete Subban scores! Lately, I've just been working, writing. I really got out of the crib too much. <laughs> As I spend another night without a single thing to do, set writing down this music, I proceed to bring to you. My man Billy hit me up, he got some weed he bringing through. Tell him better be that good and grab a pack of Okay, welcome to uh, episode two. Um, the uh, unexpected episode two. Of, uh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, you're getting laced in the Laced Up podcast. Hot off the presses. Yeah. Uh, at a time when nothing should be happening in the NHL, everything is happening in the NHL, and we felt that, as a result, our week off uh, needed to, uh, you know, take a week off, and we are here recording. Just call it what it is, James. The NHL is burning. Needs it needs us. It does. Yeah. And we are, and we are here to. We're ladder forty nine to the NHL. It's, I never saw a ladder forty nine. It's good. It doesn't look good. No, it wasn't bad. Okay. I prefer World bad. Trade Center with Nicolas Cage, of course. That's fair. But Yeah. Yeah, so... Who yeah. are you? Who, who am I? Who are you? Your brother. No, I don't know. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm Brutes Patekia ah, of Twitter.com. Intros. Yeah. yeah. And you are? I'm James Cole. Alright, there As you I go. was last week and as I will be every week. Well, if I remind you. Yeah. Yeah. Still ironing out some of the wrinkles of the uh, new podcast world. Yeah. As we're recording, we should mention that we've got uh, the Humble Broncos, Humble Broncos opener. season opener mm-hmm. on in the background. Uh, uh, they got four and a half minutes to get her going here. Yeah. It's been but, an uh, uh, emotional evening for sure. Uh, I'm sure yeah. a lot of you tuned in to watch. Uh, it's been tough. Yeah. It it was it was honestly a little more of a of a difficult experience to watch the first little bit of the game I thought but uh, well just just to hear some of the game I guess just the ceremony more so once the game starts going it's yeah. like any other hockey oh, game but that's that's what I know that's what any hot, good hockey player will tell you yeah. but uh, no definitely some of the some of the details that came out uh, in the lead up to the game it's still fresh to yeah. say the least you know yeah it was uh, it was different and it's it's funny too because you you see this happen and you get to know the names, and you get to see the faces that are surrounding this team, and yet the, they take the ice, and, and you know you didn't really know a lot of these guys before this happened, and yet I'm looking at you know different names in the jerseys, and it's strange, and it's a different mm-hmm. you know it's a different name behind the bench, and like as just an outsider taking a look in, it's a little strange. I could just imagine how strange it would be. To be a member of the community, to be involved with the team, a parent, um, yeah, to be a parent, yeah. like it's it's. Uh, I remember it's, when it's everything probably uh, a difficult night for sure for a lot of people. I remember when everything happened back in April and just uh, the toll it took on uh, on myself. Uh, you know, it was an emotional thing uh, being a hockey player and a coach and being on bus rides similar to that. And then and then you you know some time goes by and and uh, you know you, you you think you've dealt with it and then you know hey there's a new season that's yeah. coming up and all those emotions start coming back and you're just kind of reminded about uh you know how, how how you can't take certain things for life and granted yeah and uh yeah that's yeah, your it's it's um 
even tonight, right? Like it's you, you know, you think a lot of uh, a lot of this has has been dealt with, and that uh, you know tonight's obviously a reminder that you know there's there's still a lot of people that are living with uh, mm-hmm. with you know a, a terrible tragedy and uh, are still trying to find their own way to get through it. And uh, it was nice to see that Christina Hogan um, and James Duffy yeah, yeah. did the first intermission. I don't know if you actually saw that, but. Uh, it was a nice little interview, and she shared some nice. Uh, she shared a hilarious story about Darcy Hogan, which, as a as a hockey coach, I can appreciate this. <laughs> he uh, apparently like uh, they were playing Grand Prairie Storm. Shout out to my friend Colin DeJackie, who's an alumni of both the Grand Prairie Storm and the Humboldt Broncos, and a big fan of the podcast. He is, and uh, but anyway, so anyway, um, Humboldt was playing Grand Prairie, and apparently Grand Prairie was getting all the calls. So Darcy, who was you know, traditionally a pretty calm guy starts giving it to the refs, and when the ref wasn't looking, he uh, grabbed a black marker and wrote Grand, pa- Grand Prairie on one of their water bottles and threw it onto the ice, and Grand Prairie got a two-minute delay of game penalty. <laughs> I have to keep that one in my back pocket, I think. That's not bad. It's, it's genius. Yeah. It's genius. The genius of Darcy Hogan continues to, uh, you know... Tons of stories today I've heard. That was my favorite one, I think, though. That's just hilarious. That's, and that's great. And that's the best way to move forward is, it's great. is through stories. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly it. But uh, To a lighter note. Yeah, we'll, uh, and we're, we're going to have it on in the background, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully Humboldt can tie this up in a few minutes. and then uh, I'd love some overtime. We can call overtime maybe yeah. for you. I don't know if anyone wants to actually hear that. But, uh, yeah, okay, so the NHL is, <laughs> uh, is a... I fell into a burning ring of fire. You're not wrong. And especially the Atlantic. Which it just seems to the whole division Silent. just seems to be ablaze, and even the teams you thought were safe, yeah. like the Tampa Lightning. Oh, man. Uh, All right, wow. so let's talk about Steve Weiserman. Um which is the most interesting topic to probably start with. Most unexpected, definitely. because I don't know if there's anything to say necessarily. It's all purely speculation at this point basically yeah we can't give anybody any new information no like (laughs) who's to say by the time this comes out tomorrow morning or friday morning that something doesn't happen and maybe some news breaks out about it but essentially and this seems to be that like the longest running or well anyway to break the news i guess for those of you who don't know because uh we should maybe mention what we're talking about when we start explaining these things is uh the general manager of the tampa lightning steve eiserman one of the greatest hockey players of all time, uh, one of the greatest Detroit Red Wings of all time, uh, GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning stepped down as GM um, on Monday morning, it was. I think so. And uh, not only maybe the best GM in the NHL. Definitely. Possibly the best GM in North American professional team sports. Gotta be up there. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, he took a team over. It's not like he took over a franchise that was in shambles, but we're not talking about, like, an elite team here. And uh, it takes them over and basically has them at a spot now where not only do they possibly have the best on-paper roster in the league and one of the best coaches in the league, they also have one of the deepest prospect pools in the league. And as these players continue to move out of town, just other players continue to come up and fill their void. Like, they basically have a Detroit Red Wings of the modern era right. system going on right now. And Steve Eiserman is the guy who essentially spearheaded many of these draft choices and trades. Yeah, and the timing is, is very odd. He had a year left in his contract. Uh, you're, you're so close. You have to figure this is uh, this is a, a team that 
is in that upper you know echelon of of elite in the league right now you know maybe that those three or four teams that legitimately have a shot at winning the cup this this season um and just to step down you know step aside maybe is the better the better way to put it because he is uh, retaining an advisory role with the lightning but to to move aside to that capacity is very confusing uh, i know a lot of us uh that have talked about it since it's come out uh, been concerned maybe there's some behind the scenes uh, health issues well the one thing i guess that did come out then maybe i don't know if you saw yet but this kind of came out today is i guess uh you know, he he mentioned he wanted to spend more time with his family. Right. But you know, a lot of people kind of brush that off, and they're like, you know, that's just something it's the cliche you say. answer. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, you always say it's easy because spend you, more cause, time cause with no family. one's gonna like, no one's gonna call you. On no, it, like, but, and of course you want to spend more time yeah. with your family. You're f- fucking general manager of a sports franchise. Like, I'm sure you don't see the kids every day. Right. But um, apparently, he was commuting back and forth. Not commuting, but traveling from Detroit to Tampa Bay quite often. Right. Because the family is in Detroit. I I mean, I don't know how the family hasn't moved to Tampa Bay, but that's, you know, that's Steve Eiserman's personal right. life. He's, I'm not, he's not, got the money. Whatever. He's whatever. got two homes. You yeah, know. Whatever, yeah, whatever. whatever you want to do, it's fine. But, um, so I guess it has come out that he does want to spend more time with the family. So that is the official reason. And as of right now, we think that is the reason. But, <laughs> there's a little birdie in Seattle, maybe, in a year. Uh, that maybe Ken Holland, yeah. the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, is going to get, I'm doing air quotes, fired <laughs> by lasers, and uh, he might go to Seattle, because I think his time in Detroit is up. He's kind of made a bit of a mess of that team, albeit it was an aging core, but the team is really backed against the wall because of some terrible fucking contracts that he continues to sign. Right. And maybe, you know, you bring back uh, Stevie Y, perhaps the best captain in your franchise's history that includes Gordie Howe, to run the team. Yeah, and I mean, when when everything started coming out on Monday, there was there was the notion that maybe Stevie Y was going to take the Seattle job, mm-hmm. and then today it was... Which really doesn't make any sense. No, it uh, doesn't. That, that, that I get it. Make... I get why that theory gets put out there, sure. but like, if he's going to take a job... He's going to take the Detroit job it's where be... his family lives and where he played for a million damn seasons. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, you know, like, that's just what makes the most sense. So, um, yeah. 2.4 seconds off in the Humboldt game. Oh, um, it's emotional. Yeah, it's a bizarre move. The only thing, I guess, the saving grace here is that Julian Brisebois takes over as GM, who was, like, a leading candidate to take over for many GM jobs that have been going on. Yeah. And he hasn't gotten the job. He was the leading candidate to get the job in Montreal when Mark Bergevin was really on the hot seat over the past year. Uh, again, purely speculation. I believe he interviewed for the Hurricanes, but I could be wrong. But I know he interviewed for some GM job within the last year. But he's been like a, a candidate where everyone's like, this guy could take over. This guy could take a job and really help transform your front yeah. office. Yeah, and, and, and untested, unproven, but... I don't think he's going to have many problems with Tampa Bay. Well, he's, he's, he's trusted. Yeah, he's he been... is trusted. A lot of people want him to take these jobs. He just he sure. hasn't really landed. He just hasn't been yeah. the fit yet. You had to think he was going to get one eventually. And now he takes over a team that he's been working on for years. Right. I think it's a smart move for Tampa Bay. I think, you know, they're in a great spot where they luckily can just pass the torch to a guy that was kind of already chasing behind the torch. I don't know how torch... I don't know how torch runs work, clearly. Well, Matt. The, tor- the guy that you pass the torch to is ahead of you. 
one of the guys and we're going to get to eventually, he, he knows how torches work. Max uh, Pacioretty, he's, oh. he's passed many a torches in his day, yeah, but we'll get, we'll to get that. there. But uh, We'll get to that. That's... Yeah, I know. Uh, Tampa Bay, not in a bad situation by any means. I thought it, maybe it we was... had a guest, like an Olympic torch-bearing guest or something today. We don't have a guest this week. Mike Peterson, uh, the uh, Olympic <laughs> torch guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I might have actually, you know who I should have got as a guest, and I really dropped the ball here, you know, sidebar. Um uh, uh, into the Stevie Y conversation here. I am nine, no, not ninety. I'm seventy three percent sure that I uh, I helped Jonathan Chichu at work the other day. Now, how did you come to seventy three percent? We'll go seventy five. Okay, that's okay. I'm pretty sure. It looked like him. Kind of talked how you'd think Jonathan Chichu would talk. About the same height. He didn't have any like backpack that said that he had scored six fifty six goals or anything, but yeah. Um... I don't want to get into that conversation with Jonathan Chichu this month. I've already had my fair yeah. share of... For those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, which is all of you because this is the second episode, um, James hates Jonathan Chichu. Uh, kind hates, of. Hates a bad word. He, I, I he, hate what You he resent did. the fact that he got 56 goals one year and that was like a quarter of his career goals that he ever ended up getting. I, I think I was hate, it a quarter. Let's see what I, he ended up. I, with. I think I hate more the fact that his his highest goal total that season, fifty six goals with the Sharks, would be the single season record for like half the league. You know, it's not half. It's close. It's a lot. It's close. It's not half. It's how many goal? All right. Over under. Dog. <laughs> okay. Dog. Copyright. Can't. Uh, can't be stealing uh, all the jokes from. Other podcasts, I guess. Uh, 150. Goals? Yeah. Over, under? Yeah. Under. <laughs> no, he's over. Nah. <laughs> 170. Nah. 170. He, uh, he scored. Jonathan Chichu, for those of you who don't know, got uh, 28 goals in 2003-2004 before the lockout. Uh, then there was a lockout. Then 05-06 came back, 56 goals <laughs> in 82 games. Then a respectable 37 in 06-07. And then uh, 23 in 07 08, and then 12, and then 5, and then he didn't play again in the NHL. He was playing in the KHL as of last year, and he retired hmm. the end of last year. And huh. now he's back shopping at Thunder Bay Sports Check. Well, he's from the area, sort of. Yeah. So. Okay. So anything Stevie else? Y. Anything more on Stevie Y? I don't know. No. Well, what, what, what do you think? I think it's. I think it's Ken Holland is is he's got to be toward the end of a contract you would think Ken Holland I think so so Ken Holland goes to Seattle yeah and Maybe. Stevie Y goes Maybe. to Detroit I, I I think Stevie Y takes the job in Detroit and I wouldn't go any further than that I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't make any speculation Stevie on Y Seattle. is waiting out he's I, waiting if, out the Red Wings if I'm Seattle I'm not even looking at Ken Holland so uh. who are you looking at. Not Ken Holland. I, I don't know. I, I don't. Who are you looking at right now? I'm not. I'm not saying right, that like right now. Uh, say well, yeah. Maybe Mark are, Hunter. Isn't it? Wouldn't Seattle? Seattle would have a team when? Uh, I think 2020? Bill Bill Daly was saying uh, earliest would be 2021 22 season. Okay. There's a lockout coming. Yeah, whatever. Mr. It'll probably be Mr. Pataglia. The GM will probably be uh, Corey Cross or something. Yeah. No, I don't know. If if you had to ask me now, I, I might go Mark Hunter. or... Maybe even Ronnie Francis, if you wanted to continue down that path, but that uh, no, it's a few years away yet. I don't think Ken Holland should be on anybody's radar. I think he's he's long overdue for a retirement. 
as are many of the Red Wings players. Yeah, old boys club for sure. Yeah, it is the old men's club. All right. Well, that's enough for possibly maybe the the only topic that I don't hate. (laughs) That was the the happiest topic. Yeah. And I'm... I'm sad to see Stevie Y go because again I'm a, I'm a Stevie Y guy. Thought he did a great job in Tampa Bay, and I guess he'll continue to do a good job in Tampa Bay. It, it'd be great if he gets the role until if, uh, if they were gets the able Detroit to win job. the cup this season. He gets the ring, and then he you know he yeah, cool. goes back to Detroit. Yeah. just to see him get something out of his hard work. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> sends video. All right. For the. <laughs> Eugene Milnick is the gift that keeps on giving this league. I gotta gotta tell you, James. I gotta tell you, man. That video was so much better than I thought it was gonna be. Oh my god. They tweeted it out, and it was doing something, and I'm like, ah, I don't have time to watch it, really. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, ah, I'll watch it tomorrow. Sure. And then I didn't even really get around to it, like, that day, till, like, later in the evening. It was so much better. Oh, man. Oh, man, it was good. Mark, Mark Borowiecki. Hey, hats off to Mark Borowiecki for sitting yeah. down with that man first off. Apparently they held, like, tryouts, all the players. Shut up. Yeah. You're not You're not serious. No, they, they did. Are you being serious? Yeah. Okay, so my theory on that was that they had, like, Eugene Melnick handpicked Borowiecki. No. Like, maybe he wanted, this is the type of player we're going to have moving forward is, you know... Yeah. No. Is, what what I'm hoping was the actual case though was that uh, they were told that they were going to have tryouts to see who the best interviewer would be, but didn't tell the players who they'd be interviewing, because I I don't see a situation in which you'd want no. to interview your owner willingly. You know. See, Mark Borowiecki strikes me as a type of guy though that would just do that because he's a team player. He blocks shots. He with throws his hits teeth, with yeah. his teeth. He is the he. I I love him. I don't want to love him. I love Mark Borbiak. Oh, I don't have anything against He's him. I I just thought it was kind of pretty hilarious. Poor how they had tryouts. My favorite, for this. and I gotta say, six minute video. My first, li- my favorite lines in like the first fifteen seconds. Looks at Eugene Melnick and is like. So what's the plan here? <laughs> it's like, no one knows. It's no. It's like so. What are we doing here? And then, well, you know, I think uh, basically like talks in circles for yeah. five and a half minutes, and you could see why he's a good businessman because right. he really he didn't answer any of the questions that he wrote for himself. I liked the part where uh, Eugene addressed the speculation on the, the team moving. And he said, uh, it's solid. the team's not going anywhere, that's, and I'm not going that's, anywhere. That's just solid. I'm going to be here for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. I bet that just made everybody in Ottawa really happy. Well, you know, considering they bought him a new liver a few years ago, he really doesn't look all that great. But uh, new liver? Kidney? Something. Oh, it had to be a kidney. Kidney? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, uh, that, that was... That's the weirdest. No, that's no. one of the weirdest things no. I've seen in the NHL yeah. in a long, long time. Not a lot of information coming out of that video. More of a just uh, something we enjoyed. Uh, very humorous uh, in nature. Uh, someone on Twitter pointed out that uh, the uh, the jerseys yeah. in the background hanging up, the brand new center jerseys, while Eugene Melnick, oh, Melnick's wearing like a an 08, 09 Reebok. But no, no, the ones in the background still have like the sticker tags on them. You just know he's putting those back up in the team store when that interview is over. Wow. The cheapest man in hockey. Yeah. It, um, it was bizarre. Yeah. I'll say that. I hope 
like there's a reason other teams aren't doing this kind of thing. It's it's ridiculous. I've no, I can't really think. I'm trying to think of like a thing that I've seen. The closest I can think of is like back in like the eight '80s when they used to do those like player lip sync video music videos that they'd all get together yeah. and do, and you could just tell that half the guys didn't want to be there. Yeah. But, that's the that's the closest. Like, Do you remember that video? I think it was like the 0506 Florida Panthers intro video. Yes, Oliokinen turns into a panther and recruits all the boys. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like going around recruiting the boys, and it's like they're going to like all these weird places, and like you know some of them aren't so like weird. Like I think like Ed Jovanovsky's like lifting weights in the right. weight room, and like someone's doing like sprints. Like it was probably someone who was in shape, like Stephen Weiss or something. Yeah. And then they get to like Ed Balfour, and he's just like. Playing pool in the bar, having a couple pops. I think he was that actually. Was uh, I think he was addressing a, a couple of uh, ladies at the bar. Uh, <laughs> my memory like that. serves me correct. It was something. It was something where it was just like, "All right, Eddie, we're gonna get you to do this," and he's like, "No." But what I will do <laughs> is just what I was doing tonight anyway. And yeah. then they just like you know what they probably this didn't is even the tell. Bar I'm gonna be at. If you want to come, I'll be there. They didn't but, even tell Eddie yeah. Belfort that they were shooting a thing. They just showed up and they're like, "Hey, Eddie!" And then they like just recorded five seconds of him like waving at someone, and that was it. A couple years later, someone asked uh, Gary Roberts how come he wasn't in the video, and he straight up told them that him and Joe Newendike flat out refused to like show up for training camp. Or well, something they probably they recorded were... it after eight o'clock at night when they were both in bed. Come on. For those of you who have not seen this video, I would recommend that you type in Florida Panthers intro video, and uh-huh. I think it, I think the year is 2006. I think so. Um, but you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Anyway, in comparison of awkwardness levels, <laughs> this Senators video is more awkward. Yeah, all hands down. Yeah, because this video took itself seriously, where I don't know if the Panthers one did. The Panthers one was like forty percent serious, sixty percent kidding. You like you like the part there too, where uh, where you know you're about thirty seconds in, and I think uh, Marks only asked uh, Eugene one a question. And I then think he only asks four questions. Sure. the entire thing maybe. But yeah, right after his first question, Eugene right away, how's the dressing room? I was going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Did you guys not talk about this yeah, before. He says, and I, I just, I love too how he's just like, yeah, it's like we we need some help from you to to gel the team. So he basically, like, without even noticing, just told Eugene Melnick in the interview that it's like, uh, the dressing room sucks. The boys don't like each other. Yeah. The team's no good. Please help me. Oh and, man. Yeah, and Eugene's just like, oh yeah, things will be good. It it felt. All work out. I, I'm I'm pretty sure we do more planning in preparation of this podcast than went into preparation for that sit down interview. I can do the math that apparently Eugene Melnick can't do. There's 20 veteran players under contract for next year. Where the fuck are you finding room for 10 goddamn rookies this year? Where? And what rookies too? Like, you don't have 10 blue chip rookies that can slot in he, next season. No, and he said 10 or less. Like. Guys that had played 10 or less games. Sure, okay, okay. So Colin White. That's about er, it. <laughs> like, like, he meant in the NHL, not for the team. So Bodker doesn't count. Like, Bodker's not a new rookie player. No, Bodker's no. a veteran player that doesn't count as new in Eugene Melnick's eyes. You think, uh... Does he think he's getting 10 players back for Eric Carlson, maybe? Next week? This week. I, I, I don't know. Tomorrow? <laughs> Like, training camp opens on Friday, so... Yeah. I thought it opened Thursday. Uh, well, the Leafs is Friday for sure. I just assumed all the teams open the same day. Well, the Leafs is on Friday. <laughs> I was born with one arm. Ah. 
Detective JJ Bittenbinder. Strange parts. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Like I, I, that video and this whole Eric Carlson summer saga. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm pe- putting the pieces together here, and I, uh, I think it happens this week. I think it's tomorrow or Friday. Yeah, really? Yeah. We're on Carlson watch. I think. I don't know, man. No. No, I normally have predictions. Anything. I'll just make a prediction. Yeah. I don't. I this team. I. Mind the, you. The only thing that I have to draw is like a comparison for the Senators now, compared to any other team that I've ever seen in hockey or in the NHL at least, is they remind me of like the '96 Islanders when John Spano, a guy that had like nine thousand dollars to his name, legally bought the team. And for like noticed. six months and nobody realized yeah. that this guy wasn't actually a billionaire. Watch that 30 for 30 or read that Wikipedia article if you never have heard that story. But for six months, the Islanders were owned by some guy that could barely like pay, make his car insurance payments. And this is the closest thing I remember. Like, this right. is an unmitigated disaster of a franchise. No, it, it really is. And, like, they were... They I were terrible for Sens fans. Yeah, they were showing highlights uh, today... You know that uh, that series against the Penguins two years ago. You're you're a goal away from you know maybe winning maybe winning the cup. You know the Penguins beat the the Preds. There's nothing saying Ottawa couldn't have given it a run in the finals and and, and to fall so far so quickly in the two years since. Yeah, he makes a comment too in the video about how you know what we're gonna make some changes here. You know it's not gonna be about one guy anymore. Okay, so other than Eric Carlson, like who are you calling selfish on the other than Hoffman? Are you calling T- Kyle Turris selfish? Like, was Kyle? Was it all about Kyle Turris? Yeah, he's the problem. Not really. Because he's a second line centerman, and you treated him as such. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you changing things all of a sudden? Ooh, what what core are you moving on from? Where that was ever the issue? That was never the issue. I, the team was just never that great. If memory serves me correctly, I, I think the Sens had a playoff spot when they traded Turris away. And yeah, they look quickly they dropped. Okay. They were, no, it, it, it wasn't. Fine. It wasn't like it was going to be sustainable, but it, things quickly fell off after that trade. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I. I. I think again. It's I, I think fun. Carlson like, goes this week. Um, mind you, I think maybe one of the destinations in Vegas might be out of the running now after their recent moves. Um, but I don't know. I. I that that video was put out at such an awkward time that I, I just think it's it's like that's the signal that's the sign Carlson's on the move. I hope Carlson goes to San Jose and then gets traded to Toronto this week. That'd be the funniest thing ever. Spoken like a truly fan. Wow. Yeah, it'd be good on our second pairing. Um. Okay. Speaking of teams that don't <laughs> like Leaf fans. All right. Max Pacioretty. El Capitano. To the Vegas Golden Knights. Sans Capitano. Sweet Golden Knights. Um, For Nick Suzuki, Thomas Tatar, and a second round pick in, I'm assuming, next year's draft. 2019. This year's draft, yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. What did you expect? No, like... What did you expect? a, A year ago... Maybe you get a return, like maybe you know the Leafs got for Kessel. Maybe this year, I think I think they got something in a situation where they probably should have got less. So good on them, I suppose. 
I don't think Thomas this, Tatar this, is... I'm not going to lie. This is almost the exact trade I thought they would get. I thought they'd get an NHL roster piece, yeah, a, a decent pick, depth a player and a prospect, prospect, and a second-round yeah. pick, and then yeah. that's it. Like, what do you expect? You ran yourselves into a corner and then turned around and faced the corner and then started trying to run further into the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, they made this mess. Where did they think it was going to go? Where did Habs fans think this was going to go? I don't, like, this was never not going to be the solution in the way that they treated this whole thing. And, you know, Pacioretty says he didn't ask for a trade, and then you have to clarify and say that he did ask for a trade, and that's fine if you want to do that. But why would he ask for a trade in the first place? Like, that's one thing. No, no one ever stops to think about why did these players ever ask to get out? Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's it's not good reasons, you know, or it seems unorthodox reasons. You know, you can't blame Hamannick, I guess, for wanting to be closer to home. But at the same time, like, you know, when Hamannick asked to be traded to Western Canada, it was like, okay, like, you might have to wait a while. Right. But if Pacioretty's asking you several times in a season to get me the fuck out of here, why do you think he's asking well, for that? Especially when he's only got a year to go. Like, you're at the end of the tunnel. You can see the light. And instead of grinding it out and putting up with it for one more season, you're saying, yeah, I gotta go. Like, you gotta get me out of here. This is ridiculous. So, you know what? Um, good on Vegas for you know exercising some of that cap room they had. They uh, I think they got them to a really good deal, uh, short, uh, fair value, seven million. You know, y- you hope you're getting the same max patch ready from a couple years ago. If you're not, then you're not really you know kicking yourself in the ass by signing a guy to you know eight or nine million dollars. And at four years, you're not tied up to the point where the guy's forty years old, forty years old, and, and you know. Uh, Taking up a roster spot from a younger guy, uh, I don't know. I I think I think the whole Matt, Max Pacioretty uh, era in Montreal, you're gonna look back on that with um, a little bit of regret. I, I nothing against the guy's character. I don't think he ever should have been named captain of that team. The second he was named captain, the media was on him. Oh, no, I can't it, speak French. It never felt right. You know, you know, it yeah. never felt right. Right. Because even at the time, Subban doesn't get named captain and. You know, you got one corner of people saying, like, well, he donates $8 million to a hospital. That's supposed to make him the captain? Well, no. The fact that he should be the captain is is why he should be the captain. He, he is by far the best leader on your team. Yeah. But okay. And if you're thinking at that point that you're going to trade the guy, you know, maybe Thomas Placanic, a guy that's been there much longer than Max sure. Pacioretty. If you're looking for a Max Pacioretty-esque, that's a guy that... Or just don't serve name captain. One, man. Like, don't serve a yeah. Don't name a captain. There are less and less teams in the league yeah. going without captains, and like, it's gotten to the point in hockey now where captain has been such an overrated position and such an overrated thing, an overblown situation that now you're seeing less and less teams go with it. Don't yeah. overthink the thing. Like you, you can name people captain and, and then not have them be the captain anymore. But the problem is, is it's Montreal. Right. And now you're the captain of the Montreal right. Canadiens. You're not the captain of the San Jose Sharks or the Florida Panthers. You're the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, now you're talking about all these other guys that you get immediately grouped in with. Your Koivus, your Lafleurs, and all these guys. Yeah. Now it's different. You know. And I get it. It's just, it's one of those things. Montreal, like, they made this happen. Not the fans, necessarily. I mean... To an extent, the media and the fans, but they kind of fed into, 
a lot of the negativity that was caused by the management, in my opinion. Yeah. Gainey left, and as soon as Gainey left and Bergevin went in, from day one, this really wasn't going very well. No. And Pacioretty gets 39 goals or whatever the year that Bergevin comes in. And since then, Pacioretty has not really been treated the same way, I don't think. He's been held to a higher standard than everyone else on the team. And I don't really know that anyone should ever really get held to a higher standard like that. Right. It's just I don't I don't agree with the way that, that these major markets end up treating these players, not just within the organization, but in the media and everything like that. And Pacioretty fell victim to this whole... And, and, this whole negative cycle yeah. that seems to happen in Montreal. And at no point during his uh, his tenure uh, was there ever an effort made to, uh, you know, take some of the weight off of his shoulders, especially on the forward group. You know, you you kind of kind of become complacent. Well, I haven't had a centerman since no, but like two, the, the the effort was Who never put in to, to to get one. Like there was at no point did. The GM of the Montreal Canadiens go oh, really? there and say, "I got to get myself a centerman." Well, they were always happy with Placanitz. Sure, they always looked at Placanitz as like the number one, number two guy, and it's like, okay, if he's number two, no, that's good when he was in his prime. But he was always, he's always kind of been the number one guy there. Yeah, for way too long. Yeah. and then you get guys that maybe could be that guy, and, Since and you Barrow, never I give guess. them the shot. You know, I, th- I, I honestly think Galchenyuk could have done it. But they never gave him the opportunity. That's you know, a coaching decision. No, but, I, you can't put that on Bergevin. Okay, but but yeah, you bring up Galchenyuk. The, the issue with Galchenyuk is Gal, that situation got to the point where the Pacioretty one did. Where it's like, I'm not going to lie. Like, There's very few situations where I ever think this is the case in pro sports. But these are two guys where I think the organization owed it to those players to trade them. They treated them so poorly and things went so bad while they were there. And, you know, they compounded all this negative energy and, and negative attention on them. That it finally got to the point where it's like, give them the opportunity somewhere else if you're not going to give them the opportunity here. You know what I mean? And Patches, like, they, they did nothing for him and expected the world from a winger. From a winger. Who one year might have won the Selkie Trophy as a winger. You know, like he could have won it that year. Other than that. Like he's just a winger, man. Like, what what do you want from the guy? Yeah, and, and you're moving pieces out like Subban. Uh, you know, if Subban's on this in, on this roster right now, is Patrick still on this roster right now? Um, yeah. You know, is Galchenyuk still on this roster right now? Yeah. Uh, I don't. know. I'm not really sure where this all went wrong. To be honest with you, it's kind of nuts to look back, like look at it where it is now. And I mean, Core's age, like Core's age all the time. This core didn't get old. Parts of it got old, like Placanitz got older. You sped it up a little bit by you know bringing like, in Weber for Subban. Well, that's what it was. I maybe think, that's the moment it went wrong. I don't know because I, that team made the playoffs that year. Yeah, I you know? I think where this where this team went wrong, and it's going to sound funny because you can't really blame anybody. I think it went wrong when Chris Kreider took out Carey Price in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, yeah, because I legitimately tried to overcorrect for it. Yeah, well, not only that, but I I honestly think the the Habs, if they make the finals, I think they win the Stanley Cup that year. And if they win the Stanley Cup that year, I don't think any of this matters. No. You know? And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's what we're not looking at. But they didn't. So yeah. now we have to look at it. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I just... I find it hard to believe that so many teams in the league can have so many guys come in and out of those, in and out of those locker rooms for years and make sensical moves 
and no one ever says maybe that guy got traded because he was nuts in the locker room. Right. You know what I mean? They always seem to get traded for hockey reasons. That doesn't ever really seem to be the case in Montreal lately. No. And that's why it's a little weird to me. Yeah. Are you overcorrecting and you're trading Weber for Subban because you legitimately think Weber's better, or are you trading Subban because he's a locker room issue? Are you trading Patchetti because he just he's a distraction and he's asking for trades? Or are you trading for trading him because you think it's a good move? Like it just seems like every move they've made in the last five years, they're trying to force something. Even with Radulov, and Radulov worked out. Yeah. It's probably the best thing that Bergevin's done, which is, that's fucked up to say, that signing a guy for one year is the best move you've made as your time as a general manager. But, like, you know, they tried to find a scorer. What if Radulov went in there and scored six goals in 35 games and got in a bar fight and then sent back to fucking Russia? Like, is Bergevin still the GM of the team right now? Hard to say, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, it's all these moves have just not compounded quite enough for him to lose his job. Yeah. And another thing is who's the next best French candidate to take over as a general manager? He just got named the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So what's their move now? I, as far as I'm concerned, they got to get off this French-Canadian thing. I get it. it. You're in a French region. Your fans, you know, half of them are going to be French. Have an you'd, interpreter you'd, and have the sure. guy learn French. It at, if at you one point, if you work at it every day for like a year and a half, I'm sure you could learn French. I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I feel like thirty minutes of French lessons every day for fucking ten years stuck pretty well. Taking him in school. Right. Yeah. But, no, like you know, at one point, yes, the best hockey minds in the game were French Canadians. The best players at one point in the history of the game were French Canadians. Yeah. I get it. This is also a league where they wore hay as goalie pads. Yeah, move on. You know what? I think, honestly, you want to know the best thing I think you can do for the Montreal Canadiens in terms of a GM? Go out, hire the best guy in Europe. Get somebody sure. foreign that's, you Speaks know... Speaks French, maybe. Not even that. From just, the Swiss just, doesn't just doesn't speak English. Just doesn't speak English. Just comes in, God. starts gibbering off in Swedish, and now you have to translate to French anyway. But, like, well, avoid the at, English uh, thing, maybe. I, I don't sure. know. Sure. Look at Kekalainen yeah, in uh, exactly. Columbus. They got exactly. this guy from the Finnish leagues. Yeah. He's one of the better GMs in the league, yeah. I think. So, you know? You know, like, the, the bar was set a long time ago that... Uh, Canadians are supposed to be the ones that that you know know this game and dominate yeah. this game, and, and yeah, I get well, it. to once, a large extent, yeah. that's true. But the Russians don't want to come over here. That's fine; they can stay there. But Finland, Sweden, the Czechs—you know, these are countries that are really coming a long way. Switzerland, Denmark. Let's get some of these mines into the the North American circuit. This is how you know that things are bad in Montreal. When I'm about to quote something Brian Burke said when he was the GM of the Leafs. Oh boy, loosen your ties, folks. Okay, I don't care. If they start playing hockey on Mars, we'll draft them from Mars. And yeah, obviously he doesn't literally mean Mars, but like, at that he point, didn't? people were asking him, like, you know, you're going to start, like, he loved his American players, his Canadian players. Do you want to start drafting guys from Latvia and fucking Yugoslavia? And he says, I don't care. And that's kind of where Montreal is at now. And I understand that they hold themselves they hold themselves to a higher standard than the rest of the league does. Maybe they can't. No one... I get it. Yeah. I get they yeah. can. They have their cups. Right. But I'm just saying, that number is going to stay the same and everyone else's numbers are going to keep getting bigger and everyone else is going to start getting rings. No one's catching you. 
not in the next 50 years anyway. No one's winning 10 cups in the next 50 years, probably, but, like, yeah, you think so. Only one team's 10 away, so... <laughs> you think so, eh? Giddy up. Yeah. Um, it's just... I don't know. We've, we've, you and I have always thought this that this is kind of an overblown thing, and you know what? I, I get it if Montreal Canadian fans don't agree with that, but I'm just saying it. I'm saying this season that you're about to set out on the expectations. Like you guys could have maybe competed for a playoff spot. You're not now. You here's, can't. You're, if you are, you're putting together a hell of a season. Here's my question: If Carey Price has a good season this year, and the team is not in the playoff What's realm. good? Well... What's a good season? Do you trade Carey Price this season if the numbers are reflective of maybe another team would want to take on Carey Price? Or do you stick to your guns or whatever? You know, like, I, I find I'm that... I'm not going to lie to you. He's going to have to put together, like, a historic kind of season, I think, to be tradable this summer. I think he's got to put together two really good years... And it's got to be a team that's like right there, but doesn't have the goaltending. Like if in two years the Flyers are like the highest scoring team in the league, and their D looks good, and they like their coach, right? But they need that goalie. Then maybe they pull the trigger for Carey Price. Sure. And there are teams that are like that. The Oilers maybe if Talbot doesn't work out. Yeah. It's I'm just like to me, I don't think that Carey Price going two oh six. And nine twenty-seven this year necessarily means that he's back. Well, here's here's he, now, now. Does he play seventy games in this scenario? Maybe. Okay, I don't know. then maybe. I don't know. But I don't know if he's how's, capable how's of this playing scenario? seventy again. How's this for a scenario? Say you're a team like Nashville, and maybe Pecorino is uh, you know had his last round and maybe you know maybe he gets hurt. Wow, Th- this doesn't sound hypothetical. This sounds like. <laughs> The real situation, right? <laughs> Not the fucking like predators. I'm, are. I'm thinking about a team that needs the goaltending. You know, um, that's on that cusp. A Tampa Bay. You know, maybe Vasilevsky has some sort of career. Uh, I just think the, I just think with the league the way it is and the cap the way that it is, teams are going to try to. It's tough. Yeah, but if you're if you're Mark Bergevin, how do you justify hanging on to your best asset when all signs indicate that? This isn't going to get any better anytime soon, and sell that to ownership and keep a job yeah. and find a new job and and like, yeah. I think he's got to pull the trigger. I think this. I think that might happen. He might be the next guy on the block here. Well, you said one thing in that argument though, where you said that your best asset is he Montreal's best asset. Day, in terms right now? of his talent, in terms of playing hockey, like don't get me wrong, I got to clarify this. At no point in this argument am I saying Carey Price is a bad goalie. Definitely not saying that. He, I still think, is the best goalie in the league when he's on. But when is that exactly? Sure. When he's healthy, sure. But we never know if he's healthy or not. We haven't known for two or three years if he's healthy. Yeah. That's my thing. Not only though is that the problem, but it's more so the contract. That is a oh, fucking it's, monster it's contract. Huge. Don't so get to me, wrong. like you have like assets are the whole package. Yeah. The contract is a large part of the package that you're getting when you trade for a player. If you trade for Carey Price, that's fine. Are you getting Carey Price for eight more years? You don't know. 
It's hard to argue that with any goalie. Definitely. The Definitely. Canucks thought they were getting Roberto Luongo for however long that deal was. He's not even there anymore. Yeah. And they didn't even get Roberto Luongo for a lot of the time that he was there. You'd have to imagine Montreal would have to retain a good chunk of that contract if and, they want to move on from And him. that's the scary part. Yeah. It's like, I, 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 this is a weird thing to say about one of the best players in the league. I think they're stuck with Carey Price, much in the way that I think the Capitals are stuck with Ovechkin. Like, I just think there's too much question marks that many teams are going to have not necessarily fans like i'm sure a lot of people are listening to the podcast right now being like how could you have questions about ovechkin how could you have questions about price but these are real risks that the managers the owners they all have to weigh in a lot of risks oh, yeah here. look, look aging at, hockey players yeah. like it, it's it's look a at, scary look thought. at johnny taves and brent seabrook in chicago oh yeah. my god you know well, what you know what how dare you group johnny taves with <sighs> brent seabrook i get your argument Taves is still a serviceable NHL center. Yeah, he's not a ten and a half he million. He might even be a number one centerman NHL on most teams centerman. still. But Brent Seabrook is not an NHL defenseman right. anymore. But I don't Brent think. Seabrook like, isn't making ten and a half million dollars either. So. He's making he's making two Seven? thirds of it. Yeah, Seven? two yeah, thirds that's, of it. That's, that's, no, I'm just saying, good. like. And they've got their cups, so you can justify. Yeah, well, you can justify it too, right? Like you pay for you're going to pay for it eventually. Yeah, the Kings are kind of paying for it a little bit now. Right. Maybe not so much as they're probably going to end up paying for it in the next few years. Like, it's going to get bad in L.A. soon, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. unless players turn out, I guess. But yeah, Basically, so, what we're saying is, um, where, where do you love value? the Pacioretty trade yeah. for, <laughs> for Vegas. Yeah. Love now, it. Now, where do you We value? never even, did we really talk about it? There's not much to talk about on that side, though. Like, the, for Vegas, this is phenomenal. Phenomenal. You hope. You add Max Pacioretty for three assets that didn't mean fuck all to you. You basically add him for free, and then you don't even have to sign him for as long as he probably wanted to get signed for. Right. Like, the report came out that the Kings were willing to offer six years, six, uh, six million per. Which, like, for Pacioretty, dollar signs, you know what I mean? You get to play hockey for two more years, possibly, and make eight million more, give or take, because of state taxes. It's a little different. Nevada has no state tax. But, you know, like, that's a great deal if you're Max Pacioretty and the deal gets nixed. You end up in Vegas which is great. So for Patches this is great. For Vegas this is great. For Montreal it's fine. Like it's not even bad for Montreal because this is where you are. And you just kind of have to accept that you fucked up this situation. This yeah. is where you are. I, I like Nick Suzuki. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure he plays in the league. He'll play in the yeah. league, I think. He'll be a third. From what, I, from what I've seen know, in red, yeah, he seems third like line he's going to play guy, in the I think. Yeah, exactly. He'll be, he'll be fine. Even second line. Even maybe, if it's second maybe, line, yeah. that's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know what they're going to get out of Tatar. Well, first or second or third at the deadline. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Imagine they trade him back. Imagine Vegas trades for him again at the deadline, but gives up like a sixth round pick this time. Spits in Mark Bergevin's face. That sure. doesn't seem like a George McPhee move. But no. Maybe Bill Foley. Sounds like a George Costanza move. Ooh. Mm. True. We do have top ten Seinfeld episodes coming up. Nice. Nice. Didn't mention that on the top of the podcast, but no. uh, yeah. Well, again, this, this was, as we stated, an emergency podcast episode two coming out a week early oh yeah uh yeah so i think we covered most of the uh the the active fire that is burning in the league uh uh uh, yeah there's another region i suppose yeah we might have one more west out west okay this yeah this we'll try to make this one not 
a super long discussion because it's not a very happy or easy subject to talk about. Uh, Austin Watson uh, pled no contest to some sort of an assault charge, I guess, uh, on his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, he gets 27 game suspension. Um, just the curious thing about it for me, I like that he gets what is a fairly hefty suspension in terms of an NHL suspension. All of the you preseason too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of the preseason and 27 regular season yeah. games. And it's still seven more games than what Nate Schmidt got for possibly doing nothing and having like a quote what it was a trace of salt in a swimming pool in terms of an illegal substance in his body right i get that that's an automatic suspension yeah that's the thing it's just when you compare the two it looks bad right like watson should get 41 to me like i think half a season is a fair is a fair thing to do not a lot of leagues are going to give you that much, like, you know, but... And, you know, like, for me, interestingly enough, uh, about an hour or two after the suspension came out, the Players Association came along and said, we're going to appeal this. And for the Players Association to appeal it, says to me, maybe we don't know the whole story yet. And I'm not out here defending... His actions. Wait, they're gonna appeal it so it's shorter, or shorter it so or it's longer. Shorter or non-existent. Like they're they're gonna fight the suspension, like like that the NHL handed down. Because there's a guy that's banned from the NHL right now because he did the same thing. Sure, I'm assuming like charges were pressed in those situations, but aren't charges were also pressed in this situation? No, he's he's pleaded. But now they have to decide whether he's guilty or not. This is the fine line of the domestic abuse world, uh, I suppose. Is man, you like, can't let I, you can't let these things listen, go unheard. Like whatever, whatever goes on behind closed doors, right? If they're still together or not, I don't know. I think Voinov's still with his girlfriend. Like that's fine. But you just because you're willing to repair a relationship over this stuff, it just. It doesn't mean that it's right. Well, you know I, I, mean? I think and, and I think the issue here is whether or not it happened. Not so much. Well, she said in the police report that this was not the first time it had happened. That it had happened before, and it did in fact happen this time. Okay. But maybe they stayed together. Like who knows where the what, right? I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, it's begin it's to a say slippery things slope. about their relationship yeah. or anything here. But like, it's just to me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe we don't know everything. It's just if if this is what we know, everything I know, everything I saw, I thought it was short. Right. I think that's a short suspension. Sure. Yeah, you know no, I mean? it, def- it is in that situation. I, I agree 100%. That's, I just find it interesting that the players associate, not, not the team, not his agent, not his lawyer, you know, the union of the league is coming in to say something about how the suspension's too long, maybe the suspension's not warranted. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, if, if it turns around and, and, and we all find out that, you know, yeah, he did this, he's guilty, and at the same time, the association got the suspension cut in half, <sighs> how, do you, yeah. how do you justify that at that point? So, I, I don't know. It's We're in a, we're in a really weird uh, era, I, I guess you can call it, with, with uh, especially, you know, look at baseball and 
what's happened over there lately. Well, it's new and, now that they're going to yeah. actually crack down on these things. Definitely. Right, oh, because there, there's, there's so much... I mean, not just domestic violence, but there was so much other garbage that just happened in sports, and the leagues would just look the other way, and it's, you know, didn't happen on the field, didn't happen during the game, so this is not anything that we yeah, deal it's with. it's not our problem. Yeah, and yeah. I, I get it, like, now it's, you know, now people are starting to say, maybe you should have done something about it, now they're actually going to, you know, do stuff about it. Right. But... Yeah, it's it's a weird time. You're right. Like I guess I guess they'll establish some precedents here, but uh, regardless, I see what you mean though. In, still, in comparison, twenty seven games. Still worth noting one of the yeah. longest suspensions in the history of the NHL. True, true. Um, so big news for Nashville because it's a player that they seem to like. I'm not particularly fond of. He's a Tom Wilson type that I like maybe a bit better than Tom Wilson. Sure. In terms of. No, oh, he's not getting paid like Tom Wilson. And that's more or less why I like him. Yeah. Not as dirty, mm. really. He's just more of a rat. Yeah. He's not dirty. He doesn't really hurt people or anything that much. But, right, right. Um, but yeah, well. Yeah. Then anyway. that came out today, so we felt we had to touch on that. Yeah. For sure. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler. Yeah, we never got to Blake Wheeler. He kind of he kind of fell in our. Yeah, this this happened a while lull. ago, but we should talk about it. Yeah. I guess. Um, James Fields. Yeah, you know, I, I thought you one know it was best definitely one of the best contracts in the league. Interesting, yeah, you know that. Uh, as soon as that got signed, I looked at that and I thought, uh, you, you compare what he's making to other guys in the league. This guy, this guy finished what like third in points last season in the league. I'm not saying he's going to finish third in points every year, but that's impressive. No, but he's among assist leaders every year. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like we're not talking about a guy that, you know, he had his career best season last year, but right. we're not talking about a guy that. Had a forty point raise yeah. from his career, high. and he's like, making half a mil less than Tom Wilson. This guy's this guy's cap hit is five point six. His cap hit, for what it's worth, is less than Corey Perry's. <sighs> like, I saw that, and like I started doing the math. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like you see, like, seven years, uh, you know, thirty three, whatever, whatever the you know the figures are. You start doing the math in your head. I'm thinking, like, no, nah, that can't be right. Five point six, like three million dollars off or something like that. And the, no. Sure enough, five point six a year uh, for for I think it was another his last contract. Wheeler? Oh, I'm looking at his last contract. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. No, I was like, yeah, it's not what it was. Uh, eight two five. Yeah, Wheeler's yeah Wheeler's deal five year deal. It's eight two five average. Yeah. Um, All right. So forget everything I said about Tom Wilson and. Yeah, yeah, no, I was kind of wondering. Uh, yeah, he's in he's in Corey Perry territory. Sure. Yeah. He makes. Uh, uh, slightly higher. He makes the same cap hit as Voracek and Ryan Getzloff. Yeah. So good bargain because you know he's comparable to Voracek, a little better, a little more power forward esque. But uh, yeah, and that that doesn't kick until next season. But uh, it's not it's not so long to the point where you're going to be paying for it when he's 40, 41 years old. Yeah, he'll be Which done. Is another reason why I like the Pacioretty deal there in Vegas. Yeah. But same thing for Wheeler. Right. It's it's. It's uh, about the length of their remaining prime at its at its best. Teams are teams are cluing in. You know, yeah. you, you don't want Marion Hosts on your team when he's forty years old and has to develop a condition mysteriously, or a Henrik Zetterberg where he disappears in his last year of his contract. But Datsuk, uh, Datsuk too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can go on and on with yeah. examples of guys that suddenly stop yeah. playing when their contracts yeah. uh, reach the end. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. 
Blake Wheeler, I, th I thought it was a really, really good deal. The Jets were able to get him at uh, that value and that length. And, like then, and then you mentioned Nate, Nate McKinnon's contract and everything, and I thought well, we the, contracts went the window. Yeah, we had the debate about the best contracts in the league. I feel it's Nate McKinnon, who, for those of you who don't know, is a 6.25 cap hit until I think it's like 2023. Yeah. He, if it weren't for Taylor Hall, would have won the Hart Trophy last year and has an opportunity to win many, many Hart Trophies because as good as I think Colorado is... Uh, they are nothing without Nate McKinnon. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's the best contract in the league. David Pasternak comes to mind. 6.6. Um, he haunts my dreams to this day. Yeah, we'll as see what happens. Fan, so. We'll see what happens when Brad Marsh, or, uh, Patrice Bergeron is not, you know, centering his line not anymore. kicking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so, yeah, that's Blake Wheeler. Yeah. Good contract. Yeah. Good, uh, good guy. Good contract. Glad he could have his payday. Okay, so... Um, oh, yeah, we were going to do one more thing here. The NHL Network released their top players by position list. Um, this was a while ago. Yeah. But you wanted to tear the list a new asshole, I believe is how you worded it. Man, like, don't get me wrong. Um, a lot of different media outlets put out a lot of different lists... Uh, I mean, you don't take them seriously. You, you know try I mean? not like, to. You, you, you read all this stuff for what it is, you know, short of, like, The Athletic and some of the things on TSN yeah. and ESPN. Yeah. Most writing has its flaws. I, um, I, this one, though, this, like, is, this, this came from the league. This, this came is, from the what I mean, NHL. Is, this is actually a reputable yeah. source. This, so, this is supposed to be the, the league that knows the most about the players in its league. Yeah. Right. Like th th this. This media outlet should know more than ESPN and more, you know, than these other sports. Yeah, you would think that it knows a lot about itself. Yeah. It needs you to hope. do. The league needs to do it some soul searching. Yeah. The league needs to go to Thailand for like four or five months with oh, no one that they know. Yeah. And just kind of live on the beach from the movie. Get the a beach. couple tattoos. Sure. You know. Maybe try don't come. Some food. Maybe don't come back. Sure. Did I just tell the league to fold? Kind of, I guess, in that analogy. Uh, we'll start with the goalies. Yeah. Um, okay, so number 10, John Gibson. Number 9, Frederick Anderson. Number 8 is Tuka Rask. Number 7 is Pekka Rinne. Number 6 is Marc-Andre Fleury. Number 5 is Jonathan Quick. Number 4 is Connor Hellebuck. Number 3, you're probably wondering at what point of the list does Carey Price come in, is Andre Vasilevsky. Number 2 is Braden Holtby. Number 1 is Sergei Bobrovsky. Carey Price is not one of the top 10 goaltenders in the National Hockey League. I understand that I just said that he is not looking good. He's still a top 10 goaltender. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is, what is it, September, September... No, no, Lundquist! September 12th, okay? September 12th. Everybody's healthy. This should be a neutral list. No Carey Price. Yeah, I get that Pekka Rene just won the Vesna, right? He won. Did he he's, end up winning the Vesna? He's fine. I don't hate him at seven. I can. I can. I'd see. rather have the three goalies under him and Gibson, Anderson, and Tuka Rask, though. Oh, Tuka Rask, really? Yeah. That, I didn't. I didn't like him on really? his top ten list. He, he'd be one of the guys I'd be taking out of Man, the list. Man, his career numbers. He's like a nine twenty two goalie. Yeah, I don't know. He's 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 fine. He's good. He is good. He's good. He's very good. He's not top ten. I don't think he got enough credit as to actually what he did for Boston he's, last he's year. He's top like, fifteen. Without in that, eh, hey, I like him where he is. Okay. Uh, Rene's the guy that kind of bothers me on this list. And Holtby number two. Yeah. 
is just like a recency bias it on has that to be. for sure. Yeah, you want to because like he was sure. phenomenal in the playoffs. Don't yeah. get me wrong, he was dog shit in the regular season last year. He was comparable to Carey Price, who didn't make the list. Right. So just because one team actually you know has Ovechkin and John Carlson and actually made the playoffs and had a good enough team to put things together, you telling me he's like at least nine goalies better than Carey Price? No, yeah. he isn't. Yeah. No, um, he's not. Carey John, Price just won a Vesna recently. Yeah. John Gibson shouldn't be ten. You should be pushing your top five, I'd say. John Quick, I I I, I, I think John Quick's a good goalie. I think You'd move Gibson up too. I would move Gibson up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Freddie's uh, I, I in a could, spot. I could have seen Gibson not making that this list as well. You know, Freddie's okay at nine. He, he could even Freddie's follow. Freddie's a top ten goalie, but just yeah, barely, kind of, yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Marc-Andre, great year last year. Moving forward, hard to say. Again, you want to rate them as they stand. That's I can understand that. I get it. I don't know. Vasilevsky's fine top three. Like, I agree. He's one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah. And Bob, Bob. should be up there. I just I don't Bob's, like Bob be there. Bob's probably number one. And, and if I was to make yeah. a list, I'd probably have Bob number one. I guess. But John Gibson would be the top five. We should make our own maybe top we'll, we'll ten rebut this. position. We'll rebut we'll, this in a little while. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why we didn't make our own maybe for this. Yeah. We could have done that. But, well, whatever. We'll just we'll bitch about it instead. Yeah. So, uh, defense next? Sure. All right. Uh, if you want to read the defense, you go ahead. I don't have it here yet. Okay, so uh, for all the other positions, uh, what they did was... They, oh, God, they ex- I hated this one, really. Yeah. They, they expanded oh the rest God. of them to top 20 for some reason. So just the goalies went 10. All the other positions went top 20. So real rapid fire here uh, for the defense. Number 20, Ryan Ellis. Uh, 19, Charlie McAvoy. Uh, 18, Dougie Hamilton. 17, Shane Gossespierre. 15, Tory Krug. Sorry, 16, Tory Krug. 15, Oliver ekman Larson, 14, Ryan Suter. 13, Chris Letang. 12... Zach Wierenski, uh, 11, Bufflin, Zach 10, John Klingberg, 9, Alex Petrangelo, 8, John Carlson, 7, Roman uh, Yossi, 6, Seth Jones, 5, P.K. Subban, 4, Brent Burns, 3, Eric Carlson, 2, Drew Doughty, 1, Victor Head- Hedman. A lot to take in there. A lot of names, um, a lot of good defensemen. Uh, I think I think they hit a lot, of, a lot of goods, but where they hit wrong was very wrong. Um, look, I have really admired uh, Roman Yossi and, and how he's kind of carried the Nashville Predators through some difficult defensive uh, maneuvering. Uh, top seventh? I don't, I don't know. Like that, that one really kind of stuck out to me. I think he's a good defenseman. He's probably on this list. But at number seven, looking at the names that immediately follow him, that, that one jumped out to me as being really bad. Uh, I think aside from maybe your your top three on this list, maybe even Burns, but the top three there, Hedman, Doughty, Carlson, that's that's about right. I think I think they got that right. I'd have PK next after that, probably. And then the rest of this list I think is all over the place. You have some names that are in the top 20, but definitely in the wrong order. Here's the problem, James. Zach Wierenski is barely a defenseman. Come on. Kind of a forward that plays on the blue line. I like Zach Wierenski. I think he's really, really good. He's a phenomenal puck-moving defenseman. Defensively, not so good. People were saying that about Eric Carlson Mark, two years ago. Mark Edward Vlasic was seventh in Norris voting last year. He almost won the Lady Bing. He barely takes a penalty on the blue line. I would take Vlasic a million times over Wierenski, and it's not even close. Uh, I would take Morgan Riley 
over Wierenski. Neither of those guys made this list. Okay, so who would, who would come off this list for you? Who would Wierenski. You take, who would you take out of the top 20? Wierenski. Just him? Well, before anyone else. I think he's I think he's worse than Ellis. I'd rather have Ellis. For sure. Okay. Without a doubt. I, I'm kind of surprised Ellis made the list, too. Yeah. Ellis is a bit of a surprising one, like... Three three preds. That's you know. At some yeah, point like, you gotta. At some point you gotta figure that you know. You know, one of them is clearly head and shoulders above the others, and the others are just kind of benefiting off of the play of. But I guess that's been Nashville's uh, bread and butter since they've been around. Like they've always had, you know, Suter and you know Weber, and, and then it was Weber and Yossi, and then it was you know, Subban, and, and they've always just seemed to have a, a really strong decor. Um, for me, I, I don't know. I don't know. Tory Krug. I if you, if you're gonna have a Bruin up there, Charlie McAvoy for sure. I think I think they they yeah, got it right with him. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by Tory Krug. Krug. I like Tory Krug. Krug shouldn't be above McAvoy. Eh. He's not a better defenseman than McAvoy. Mm. Uh, no, I'd take him off the well, list. I don't know. I it's a close call, I guess. Yeah. Like I said, I think they got a lot of names right. I just think the order was really off. Like, Oliver ekman Larson, he's playing in Arizona. I, I get it. Arizona sucks. He's probably a top-ten defenseman. He's probably a top-ten defenseman in the league right now. If, if he's playing in, in Tampa or Well, I mean, Nashville, in terms of guys that are above him, like, he's better than Latang. Let's forget Wierenski's on this list. Um, is he better than Bufflin? I think Bufflin should move up as well, for yeah. the record. Who would you move out of the top ten, then? I'd move out uh, Roman Yossi. Yeah. And probably Seth Jones. Ooh, that's where you lose me. Mm. That's where you lose me. Uh, Subban, I agree. Subban should be above Burns. But Burns should still be kind of right where he is, almost. I think the top five is right, just maybe. I, thought, I like the top six. I would move John Carlson into Yossi's spot at seven. But... Uh, yeah, Wierenski, I don't know. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on. Alright, fair Gosh, enough. Fucking bullshit. So the wingers, again, they did the top 20. Uh, do you want to read them off? Uh, no, you do it, I can't All find right. it. Uh, number 20, Victor Arvidsson, 19, Brock oh, Besser, 18, Ricard Raquel, 17, Miko Rantanen, 16, uh, Jakob Voracek, 15, Philip Forsberg, 14, David Pasternak, 13, Phil Kessel, 12, Johnny Gaudreau, 11, Vlad Tarasenko, 10, The Breadman, Panarin, 9, Blake Wheeler, 8, Jamie Benn, 7, Claude Giroux, 6, Patrick Laine, 5, Brad Marchand, 4, Patrick Kane, 3, Taylor Hall, 2, Alex Ovechkin, number 1, Nikita Kucherov. Thoughts, Brutes? Um, I probably agree with the top 10. I guess guess Giroux is a winger now. I gotta get used to that. That's gonna take a lot of getting used to, but... Especially when you've got uh, Voracek on the list as well. Yeah, his his you know the guy that he rode shotgun with for so long. Yeah, it seems weird, but I guess that's a thing now. Good for Miko Rantanen. Yeah. I have no problem yeah. with him on this list. Like I can't argue against that. It just seems weird. Yeah, I would still probably move him down though. Like I, I don't know. He had a lot of points. Right. I want to like I still think Ricard Raquel is better. I think Besser's better. I fucking I hate Brock Besser, but he's he is really good. Um. Yeah, but he should be on there. I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone that shouldn't be on this list. I think this is the one that actually made sense. Yeah, this probably is the closest. I think 
again, this is a situation where they got a lot of names right. I don't know about the order. Um, I think, and I hate to say it, if anyone on this list is high, it might be Line A at six. You, you could be right. I he's, don't know if he's better than Giroud, Ben, Wheeler, Panarin. Yeah, you have to figure he's, he's probably tenth. You have to figure he like right now again September twelfth. You have to figure that he's not better than Wheeler right now. I'd take Wheeler over exactly. Him. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think for myself, uh, the only guy outside the top ten that I would move into the top ten probably feel the thrill. You know, just based on what he's done the last couple seasons. Yeah, I don't know. But I think it, we're nitpicking on yeah, this one. I, I like this one. I think it's a good one. Uh, it's the only one they got right. The Didn't you hate the centerman? Oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Best for last, right. for sure. I, I will read this one off then, because uh, I don't remember having a lot of hard opinions about the... Oh, yeah, this list is kind of fucked up. Okay. Uh, number 20, Leon Dreisaitl. Number 19, Ryan Getzlaff. 18 is Sean Couturier. 17, Wild Bill Carlson. William Carlson of the v- of the Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights. 16, Matthew Barzell. 15, uh, Jack Eichel. 14, Nick Backstrom. 13, Alexander Sasha Barkov. Uh, 12 is Kuznetsov. 11 is Stamkos. 10, John Tavares. 9, Tyler Sagan. 8, Bergeron. 7, Shifley. 6, Kopitar. 5, Nate McKinnon. 4th, Austin Matthews. Cool, but... Uh, 3, Malkin. 2, Crosby. 1, McDavid. James, go. Okay. I didn't really plan on where to start, but I don't know. Um, pretty much, you've got a cluster of guys between 14 and 11 that I'd probably move every single one of those guys up the list. Off the list? Up the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, everybody below those guys, I'd consider taking off. Maybe not dry settle. Dry settle, I think, should... Should move up a little bit. Um, really? You'd take Eichel off, eh? I would take Eichel off. I remember we just talked about this last yeah. podcast, but you are not an Eichel guy. No. And I hate him. Yeah. I really don't like Jack Eichel, no. but he's very good at hockey, I think. Show me a full season, and then I'll, I'll get on board. But this, this is a guy that he's probably going to be on this list in a year's time. When we're, when we're doing this again Eichel. for season two next September. Eichel. Yeah. Eichel's probably where he should be. Yeah, because he's right? going to win the Hart Trophy because sure. Buffalo's making the playoffs, yeah. remember? I forgot. Okay. Casey Mills says winning the Art Ross. 100%. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's what I said. Exactly. Yep. Um, but right now, no. He should he not be on this list. Um, Matthew Barzell should not be on this list. Uh, William Carlson, that's, that's <laughs> an interesting... He's an interesting position. The guy had 43 goals last year. It's hard to say he's not worthy of being on the list. Here's the thing, like, I'm sitting over here, and I'm hearing all this, you know, alright, so you're saying you'd cut Eichel, you'd yep. cut Barzell, yep. you'd cut Carlson, Yeah, probably. would you cut Couturier? No. Okay, so are but those the I'd three you're down. cutting? I'm cutting those three, I'm cutting Getzlav. Okay, so four. Yeah. Who are the four that make the list over these guys? Okay, that's... You're making a fair that's what, argument. No, but I'm saying like it, it. It looks weird. It looks weird that Matt Barzell's 16th. Yeah, I'd still rather have every other sentiment on the list, but I think he's still on the list. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who do you want over? Can you name anyone? I can't. 
Like, I... I, 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 I That's I, not on the list? I put Cadge in the list. Really? Back-to-back 32-goal seasons. He's he's one of only three centermen to have back-to-back 30-goal seasons while... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think I'd rather have all these other guys. Look, I'm Maybe not saying you wouldn't... Carlson, I'm not just because it's an unknown. I'm not saying I'd rather have him. I'm saying, like, right now, the way the league is shaking down, I think he's a better centerman. If you're starting your own franchise... Fucking right, I'm taking Jack Eichel on my team. Like, the guy's going to be unreal no, no, in a few no, but years. But we're talking but right now. We're talking right October now. 3rd. Who's the be- better centerman you think you'd rather have Kadri over Barzell? Yeah. <sighs> I don't I don't agree. Okay. I don't agree. When the sophomore slump hits Barzell this season. The only guy I think that maybe, maybe I would put on this list, but I don't even know if I necessarily have anyone to cut off the list to put him on the list might be Mika Zibanejad. Is Clayton Keller a uh, centerman? He's a winger. Okay, that's fair. I would have put he, him on the winger a, list then. He's all three positions, but... Okay. Yeah, he he's going to be a winger. That's fair. Braden Shen, I would make uh, some considerations for this list. Yeah... Yeah, you're asking me. You're asking me to name names. I'm trying to name some names here. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just you're just picking name. Peter Nedved. Yeah. Uh, Peter Nedved Adam for Graves. sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I I think he's the, he's no Nick Entropov. Let me tell you. No, for sure. For, yeah. Uh, I don't Nick know. Nick Entropov. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. And and then on on the flip side, look. Don't get me wrong. I love Austin Matthews. I think four might be a little high right four, now. Four. Look. Look, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Austin Matthews is not better than Nathan McKinnon. He's not. He's not. Not right now. He's fine. He's not right now better than him though. No. Like for sure. I'd probably I, put I, Kopitar I, above I'm him. Ma- really? Okay, so I'm a massive Kopitar fan. I don't know if he should be on the top ten. I don't. He doesn't. Oh, Kopitar out of Kopitar, the top ten. Yeah. Okay. I. Uh... I. I. I don't know, man. I got a real hard problem saying that Steven Stamkos is the 11th best centerman in the league. This yeah. is a guy who, like, a few years ago, we were making the argument was the best player in the league. Well, not us personally, but, like, people were making the argument that he was better than Crosby at one point. And yeah. granted, Crosby had a lot of injuries going on at the time, but um, I don't know. Stamkos at 11. That's not right. I'd put that's wrong. I'd put Kanetsov in the top ten. I'd put Barkov in the top ten, and I'd put Backstrom in the top ten. And I know a lot of people are gonna give me some pushback on Backstrom. He's been consistent. You know what? You can only you can only play the the hand you're dealt, and he's played it well. He has he has been the guy riding shotgun to Alex Ovechkin through a Hall of Fame career for Alex Ovechkin, and I think that Nick Backstrom might deserve a little bit of credit in that regard. And, you know, okay. number 10? Sure, number 10. That's okay. fine, but number 10. So, basically what we've learned through James's top 20 centermen is that he would put 14 different guys in the top 10. And so. whoever whoever the number number one had at center is this season, he can he can make the top 10 because, you know, they've, they've obviously got that figured out. That's low. Yeah. That's fair. I don't feel bad. Who's the... Who's the Drew in. Placanitz, Drew in. Dano. <laughs> I don't mean Dano. Like, like I don't know. I mean, like, Philip Dano. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. D-A-N-A-U-L-T. Yeah. Alright. Well, uh, that's enough hockey. 
Yeah. I think. Did we cover everything? I feel like did check your phone and make sure something didn't happen while we were talking. No did kidding. Anything happen? No kidding. Humboldt lost, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, but a lovely night. They got all the banners sitting uh, around the ice right now. It looks really nice. Um, tough night. Yeah. Um, okay. Seinfeld. Top ten Seinfeld episodes. Um, this was going to happen regardless, so we're just kind of getting it out of the way nice and early here. Because, um, yeah, like during the season we might want to do some hockey-centric top tens and things like that. Because during the season, not every episode is going to contain all hockey talk. And the first two episodes of this podcast have pretty much been exclusively just hockey discussion with, you know, short appearances by the Salmon Association. Um, Man, I saw that guy again yesterday at work. I almost wanted to ask him to come on the podcast. That's fishy. Yeah. 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 I'll try to get a photo next Should time. Should he be the first guest? We're, we're still... We're, we're going to work on guests. Um, we figured we would kind of get, you know, into the season about a month here or so before we if really start getting some guests. If you're a Laced Up Podcast listener and would like to be a guest in the next episode of Laced Up Podcast, contact us at Laced Up Podcast on Twitter. But don't, because we'll probably say no. Yeah, we've had a lot of volunteers. Yeah. A lot. More than listeners, possibly. Too many. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. The first, uh, one thing I can promise you, the first guest, uh, we'll make it someone fun. Someone that you'll appreciate. Um, I, so. I, I saw Lonnie so. Bahanas at the rink the other night, so nice. I should have asked him. Him or, him or Chichu. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some people around we can ask, for sure. Maybe the president of Thermae Minor Hockey. You know, get his intake on the, the current state of the game, and I'll leave names. Who's the president? It's Busnick, know. isn't it? I thought it was Larry Busnick, yeah. <laughs> Larry! Shout out, Larry. Larry doesn't know how to access a podcast. No, well, yeah. Desi could figure it out. <laughs> Let's get to sign. Okay, top ten. Uh, number ten on the list. Uh, basically, what we did here, we... This is not our personal favorite rankings. We did go on overall funniness, overall, um, you know, legend of the episode, um, acting, just quality of the jokes throughout the episode. We didn't want to base it on one single joke, you know, because there's a lot of episodes that have a few really good scenes and the rest of the episode kind of gets lost in the scheme of the series. We wanted to go with what we thought were the ten best episodes. Yeah. Um, now, number ten. Not close to my top ten, but possibly your favorite episode of the series. After I just it's, said we yeah. didn't put favorite episodes on there. here, it's up there. This one though, you would make the argument. I would make the argument it is a pretty good episode, and it is a memorable episode. I think too. IMDb's got it at number eleven on their list. Okay, so I think we're in the realm. Okay, you said there's a, th- a th- all right. Well, tie let's for get first. to that. We'll yeah, get to we'll, that we'll, at we'll, the okay, end. Actually, okay, we'll okay. Get to, let's compare at the end. Yeah. Um, number ten is the airport. Yeah. Big, big fan of this one. Uh, so, for those that don't know, um, Jerry and Elaine are flying back to New York on a plane together, um, and the other side of the storyline... Season, season 4, episode Se- 12. Okay, fair work. enough, fair enough. I'll try to remember that moving forward. I think it's the oldest episode on the list. No, it's not. Okay. Either Second way. oldest, though. So, yeah, they're, they're flying back, and uh, on the flip side, they've got uh, Kramer and George that have to pick them up from the airport. Okay. And um, so the whole thing gets underway uh, with one ticket being available left in uh, first class. And uh, when the stewardess at the airport says this to uh, Jerry and Elaine, uh, Jerry offers to take it 
doesn't offer to give it, offers to take it, because he feels that Elaine just couldn't handle first class. She's never flown it. She yeah. doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know the moves. Jerry, Jerry can't right? go back to the cesspool of exactly. coaches. Exactly. So that whole storyline focuses... Actually, that is the episode where Elaine tries to order the... tries to get her meal. She goes to the bathroom. She kosher. comes back. I didn't want kosher. She has to eat the kosher meal. And yeah. then the guy beside her forgot that he ordered the kosher meal. Yeah. That is a good episode, it is. actually. Yeah. So, so basically, the, the whole flight, Jerry has the time of his life, meets a super hot model... Uh, they Good have Sundays girl. and blankets They and do break towels. up the next episode for what's worth. Spoiler alert. And Elaine just has the worst flight of all time. While this is going on, George and Kramer arrive at JFK to pick up their friends. George leaves for a moment to pick up a, a copy of Time Magazine because he wants a copy of Time Magazine for whatever reason. And at the exact moment he arrives, the guy who's on the cover of Time Magazine, some sort of crazy convict, just misses out on getting the last copy, which George gets. So, he gets back to Kramer with his with his magazine. Kramer tells him, oh, I gotta go to LaGuardia. Their, their flight got changed. So they drive all the way to LaGuardia. They get to LaGuardia. Now they gotta go all the way back to JFK. They run all the way back to JFK. Classic. Yeah. Classic yeah. sitcom trope, going to the wrong episode, yeah. or going to the wrong airport. So they do Classic. This, they do this a few times. Finally, at the end of the episode, f- for some reason, Kramer recognizes a, a, a friend of his from college that owes him some money. Steve Grossbart. Yeah, and he convinces George to pay for two tickets onto a flight so that Kramer can confront this guy to get his money back, only to have George end up paying for two tickets that don't end up being refundable and sitting next to the convict that he stole the Time magazine from. I don't know. It's always stuck you with love me. it, eh? Always stuck with me. One of those... When you told me that you loved that episode when we were discussing about this, because, like... We don't talk Seinfeld very much. It's one of my favorite shows. You've, you're kind of a late blooming Seinfeld fan. Yeah. It. I just. I've never heard anyone really say that they love that episode, but it is good. Like I've never heard anyone say they don't like it. Yeah, it's you. You could make the argument that it shouldn't be in a top ten, but it never well, really doesn't hit. But here's how it gets into the top ten. I think is the is it it combines all of the lovable, you know, all of the characters play an integral part in the episode. Yeah. They all have their own hilarious storyline. And the episode is, in a way, about nothing as well. It's literally just about, like, airports and, you know what I mean, little funny things that would happen on planes and stuff like that. It kind of encompasses all the little things about Seinfeld that's funny and sort of expands on them. Yeah. It, it is a good episode. It's just consistent. It is. That's it's true. Cool. I'll give you that. There is no, like, lull in the episode no. of, like, two or three minutes where it's not funny. It's all it's all good. Yeah. Uh, number nine. The Marine Biologist. Oh, boy. Um, season 5, episode 14. Um, this episode contains what is, without a doubt, my favorite scene in the entire series um, at the end of the episode. But basically, the, the premise of this one is um, Jerry runs into a, a old college friend who asks about George. She wasn't really all that fond of George. And she says something about, like, oh, I bet you he did nothing with his life. And Jerry's like, oh, sure he did. He's a marine biologist. Classic. So then, so then, yeah. So then he goes out to eat lunch with George, and he's like, I ran into Diane DeCon. And she asked about you. Now, I have to tell you, at this point, she's under the impression that you are. And George is like, uh. He's like, a marine biologist. So now George who has made a name for himself across the series 
as an architect, a fake architect that is, that's the job he wants. Now he has to try and learn little things about marine biology. So he tries to steer the conversation in different directions when they, uh, when they go for dates, but it doesn't always work. In the meantime, this is all going on. Uh, Kramer is hitting golf balls into the ocean. Of course. And eventually, when they're wa- when George is on a date with this girl, they're walking along the beach. There's a beached whale, and someone, played by Larry David, in the scheme of the crowd, goes, "Is anyone here a marine biologist?" And so. George has to go and pretend to be a marine biologist. At the end of the episode, he figures out what was going on with the whale. And he puts his hand in the blowhole and pulls out a golf ball. Hit by... Kramer. None other. Kramer says, is that a Titleist? Talk about a hole-in-one. For me, this episode is incredibly consistent, but not only that, does contain some of the funniest jokes in the series. Right. Which is also not just that one I talked about, but also Kramer getting all excited about hitting golf balls into the water. It's just... just, just a medial event. Like that, that's, that's one of the things you love about Seinfeld, is that something that just seems so simple and innocent, such as Kramer hitting golf balls, plays such an integral role at the end when all the storylines come together. And that's really one of the, the best things about the writing of that show. Mm-hmm. They all just come together. Episode 8. Okay. Or sorry. Number 8. Number 8. Uh, season 8. Episode 4. Uh, the episode otherwise known as The Little Kicks. Uh, this is the first and only appearance in the series. Not only, I guess, but first appearance of Elaine dancing. Yes. She goes to the Christmas party or office party. And... Uh, tries to get things going because at this point she is the acting president of the company and she uh, embarrasses herself and get things going oh, yeah. get the moves with people on the dance floor yeah i love the next season too they have like the 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 office party and someone who works there is like hey you gonna dance this year and yeah. she's like yeah all over your face <laughs> Um, Classic Elaine. This uh, this episode also involves George. Or sorry, uh, yeah, George gets to know one of Elaine's coworkers. The girl only likes George because Elaine told the girl to stay away from George. So she's kind of got like a a schoolgirl crush on George. She's following him around the whole episode. This also contains the episode where Jerry is a star of the uh, bootlegging industry and making yes. bootleg movie copies. He's holding against a camcorder his will. in the movie. Yeah, against his will, sort of. Um, but, in the end, it turns out to be something he's very proud of and really grows a passion for. Um, the episode all around is is just hilarious. Premise after premise, it continues. It also ends again with a fantastic scene in which George gets arrested... He's in the police station. He's waiting for someone to come bail him out. Elaine shows up to pick up the girl that George is with because that's her co-worker. And then who shows up to pick up George but George's father? Jerry Stiller. At which point he argues with Elaine and the episode ends with them coming to blows. Yes. And having a fist fight in the middle of the police station. Yeah. 
fantastic episode. Yeah, no, great top to bottom. Uh, um, Elaine dancing is one of the most iconic moments in the series. Yeah. Um, and also her, her, her videotaping herself over top of the yeah the copy that that uh, Seinfeld makes of the movie. He goes yeah, to Jerry see. accidentally uh, he accidentally or she accidentally tapes over uh, a copy of the movie, and uh, it's great. Yeah. Number seven is uh, the voice. Season 9, episode 2. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes. This The part of the series where George is working at Play Now, and by part of the series, I mean the two episodes where George works at Play Now, are phenomenal. But for me, this is the far superior of the two. This is the one when they've realized that George is not handicapped, and they're trying to find a way to fire him and get him out of his contract. They ask him to quit, but if he quits, he only gets part of the year's salary. And he says, if I stay, I get it all. And so him and Mr. Tomasulo are trying to outduel each other. And he's trying to force him out. It's like a Hitler-esque bunker, he says at one point. Um, this is also the episode where Jerry and all the friends are repeating this voice. That um, his girlfriend's stomach apparently has when... She's, like, sleeping or hungry. Okay. Hello! They say it all the time, and yes. then basically at the end, or not at the end, but at one point, she says, you have to choose between me or the voice. And Jerry picks the voice. Classic. It's a great episode. Uh, the episode ends with... Uh, Kramer, oh, this is also when Kramer has his industry, Kramerica Industries, and he's got an intern working for him, booking all of his appointments. Nice. That's David Putty sighting as well. We all love David Putty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, David Putty. Elena's adamant she will not date David Putty right. anymore. That did not no. turn out well for No, her, so Elena. Jerry, yeah, Jerry bets her money every time she sleeps with Putty. So basically just Elaine, every time she sees Jerry, is just paying him money. Yeah. And it's almost like he's a pimp and she's paying for sex in a way. Right. He's pimping out putty. Hmm. Yeah. Pimp putty. Uh number 6, The Summer of George. Uh I mean, what can you say? It's just one that's kind of always stuck with uh I think a lot of people. Like it's it's very relatable. Uh, what what does one not desire more than to just take an entire summer to themselves and just get lost in, in the summer months? George you know? does nothing. Yeah. It's the best. Not a thing. And then eventually starts doing things. He's playing frisbee golf. He's getting out of the house and slips on the invitations from Jerry's girlfriend's party. It's always the invitations with George. Right. Every invitation for anything... It always burns him. Yeah. This, this, it's a classic. I proclaim this the Summer of George. There is not a dull moment in the episode. It's one of those, you know, few episodes in the history of sitcom television where it's just hits. The whole episode hits. Uh, season 8, episode 22. Summer of George. Yeah. And I think we've all had a Summer of George at some point. Okay. Okay. 
Um, I, I, I agree with you, actually. Um, number five. Now, number five is an interesting one. Because number five is actually uh, your and my favorite episode of the series. Oh, yeah. This is the episode that we kind of share. Season 8, episode 3. The next episode is actually The Little Kicks. This is the episode that aired before The Little Kicks. Mm, They were hitting for a little while there. Um, The Bizarro Jerry. Yeah. James? Each each, uh, character in this episode just uh, absolutely kills with uh, their respective uh, storylines. Uh, for me, I, I think my favorite of the four has got to be Kramer. Um, gets an unpaid job at uh, this uh, this firm in New York <laughs> where he's got no I experience. Mean, I don't even really work here. <laughs> and that's the best part. At the end of the episode, they, they fire him, and, and at no point was he ever hired. He just kind of shows up every day, just putting along, doing his thing. And it's like you've got no experience. Uh, I don't. Is is really uh, yeah? Like, it's almost like you have no formal business training at all, and uh, yeah, and they let him go. Um, this the main premise of this episode is G- Elaine's dating this guy. She breaks up with him. She says we could still be friends. He takes it seriously. They end up being friends, and it turns out that this guy is basically the opposite of Jerry. Like the the apartment's the same, but it's backwards. Yeah. And his friends are the same, but, but they're like the off. opposite yeah, in, in the yeah. same in the same sense. Like there's a George that looks like George. Uh, he's nice, right, and friendly. Yeah. And there's a Kramer, but he's like all there. Yeah. His name's Feldman. Yeah. Uh, there's even a Newman, and he's like really good friends with the Bizarro Jerry. Basically, uh, pulls off the old is Batman. Yeah. Superman. Yeah. No, I think it's Batman. I don't know, um, but it's great. It pulls off this concept where there's a you know an alternate universe almost like that. Um, it's great. Everything about the episode is fantastic, and as you mentioned, there is the Kramer plotline. Yeah. But my favorite plotline of the episode is George. This is also the episode where George is going to the underground uh, parties where all the good-looking female models are. Because George is using his dead fiance story, but using a picture of Jerry's girlfriend, who also happens to be Manhands. Manhands. She's got manhands. <laughs> manhands. That is my like favorite. Like, it's got like a really slow bass kind of part to it. I'll pull up the clip. Sure. It, it it's just a great episode. It is. It really is. Like, uh, it, it's funny that we've got it at five too, just because. How we both? Uh, I'm know, willing. Had I'm willing to acknowledge that these other four episodes are probably superior. That's that's the difference. Just our our, our personal favorites. Uh, it's it's my favorite, and yeah. you know what? I don't know anyone too that's a Seinfeld fan that argues that this isn't a funny episode. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's very well regarded on many. I've looked at other like you know lists and rankings of this show. It's generally quite high. Yeah, no, it it, it is. <laughs> So yeah, of course the the, the, the classic trope that Jerry will find anything and everything wrong all of with his they all girlfriend do. yeah yeah so yeah um she ends up breaking or hurting Jerry's wrist too 
because he's trying to steal another picture of her from the purse so that way George can still get back into the Forbidden City. It's just, it's the best. Yeah. Best yeah. episode. Uh, number four, The Rye. All right. This um, is one I haven't seen. Right. You you still didn't watch it? No, I couldn't I couldn't get a copy. Really? No. Yeah. Yeah, we'll watch The Rye after this. Um, season seven, episode 11. In my opinion, this isn't my favorite, and I don't think it's the best, but I do think all around this is the most well-balanced episode in the series. It's wow. got your highs. It keeps hitting highs. It never really gets to a low. Um, George's parents finally meet Susan's parents, his fiance, mm -hmm. and uh, they have dinner, and basically they hate each other. They do not get along at all. Frank Costanza's sitting at the dinner table saying, like, the chicken has sex with the rooster, so who's having sex with the hen? This is his dinner conversation. The family's just sitting there staring at him like something's missing, all right? He is a nut. He is a nut. Um, they bring in a schnitzer's rye to put out after dinner as, like, a dessert. They do not put the bread out. They forget about the bread. So Frank Costanza takes the bread back when they leave. And then George... <laughs> Upon realizing this. Not even just accepting that this happened. He's like, oh, I gotta find a way to get the rye back into yeah. the apartment. Yeah. Uh, he hatches a scheme where Kramer, who's doing a handsome cab ride on a horse, <laughs> is gonna take the family out while Jerry sneaks the rye back into the apartment. He gets locked out. George has to take it up on a uh, fish hook and, fi and with a fishing rod, Reel it reels in. it back yeah. in only to turn around and the Rosses are standing there, and that's how the episode ends. Yeah. This might contain what I think, though. I actually... This might be the funniest moment in the series when Jerry gets to the bakery to take the loaf of bread... Sorry, to buy the loaf of bread. He is the... He, he just misses out on the last one. Right. And this lady buys the last one. He's offering her all kinds of money, and she won't give it to him. So he decides to steal it from her. I'll give you fifty dollars. Now be reasonable. You cannot turn down fifty dollars for a six dollar ride. No. What? And just robs her blind. And then he runs down the street with the marble rye that he stole from a lady that he later finds out is friends with his parents. Classic. I'll take your word for it. Classic. Yeah. It's the best. You gotta watch it. You gotta do it. Definitely. Number three, the contest. We all know it. You all love it. Most most widely regarded, perhaps, as the funniest episode in the series. It's, it's I, the most well known. I, I don't I agree. Say. But it is the, it is the most universally accepted. I think yeah. is one of the. Everyone funniest. knows it. Uh, the four of them all agree on a bet in which they're not going to perform uh, sexual acts on themselves. It's worth uh, noting that the reason this bet starts as well is also because George's mother catches, catches him, in, him the act, in said act. Pulls her back out and has to spend days in the hospital. Yeah. Every time George goes to visit her in the hospital, someone's getting a, a sponge bath in the... From what we're led to believe... Curtain. ...is the uh, most attractive nurse in the history of nurses. I think one time he goes, it's a male nurse, too. Nice. That's even the funny part. Because okay. there's always that underlying yeah. plot line where George yeah. is a f has a little bit of homophobia, which I guess looking mm. back on it maybe isn't the yeah. 
Whatever. This it was a different time. It was joke, the worst of times. It was the best of times. Yeah. No, um, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and of course, they all fooled, and then we're left wondering at the end of the episode who, in fact, the real winner is, which we find out, I think, uh, a couple seasons later. Well, George wins. Okay. In the episode. Okay. And in the final episode of the series, George admits that he cheated in the contest as their plane from NBC is going down and it looks like the cast is about to die. That's when George admits it. And Jerry's like, great, I won! That's, like, gonna be his last words, almost. Yeah. But then everything works out. Right. Um, yeah. There's a naked lady in the window across the street. Elaine's in, like, a yoga class with John F. Kennedy Jr. And the Jerry, naked lady... And Jerry has a girlfriend. Jerry's a dating a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Something's gotta give. Right. You know? A classic. There's hilarious plot lines all around. Classic lines. Kramer lasts about an hour. Yeah. It's great. You gotta put up odds. Ten thousand dollars. A hundred and fifty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's It's like it's like you it's like with shaving. No, shave. I every shave. Day. Not every day. <laughs> uh, it's, right. it's great. Uh number two, which is one that you were not aware of until recently and then you've ad- since admitted that you're fine with it yeah. being as high yeah. on the list as it is. Because again, I hyped it up quite a bit. The opposite. Yeah, yeah. This is when I just watched uh, not too long ago, actually. And uh, um, George uh, decides to change his entire life around to do the opposite of his basic gut instinct. And uh, slowly but surely, throughout the episode, good things start happening. George meets a, a beautiful woman at the restaurant. Goes on to uh, get hired by the New York Yankees uh, after insulting George Steinbrenner about uh, how he's run the team into the ground, and uh, just just a, a, a good trope uh, given the the entire makeup of his character throughout the entire series to see him turn it around just based on doing the opposite of what he thinks he should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um. What's great about it too is like he, everything's down for Elaine, everything goes up for for yeah. George, and then Jerry's Jerry breaks got, even. He's yeah. breaking even. Yeah. yeah. Um, Give me twenty bucks. I'm gonna throw it at the window. Yeah. Elaine throws twenty bucks at the window, and George, Jerry pencil. finds twenty bucks. Yeah. Five minutes later. Yeah. The so. this episode just all around, it could be the funniest George episode. It probably is. It could be yeah. one of the funniest Elaine episodes. Like it's just it's a very and very Jerry breaks even, and Jerry breaks even. Yeah. Um. It, it it's a very very just solid episode, season five episode twenty one. Um. Yeah. Kramer Kramer finally gets his uh, his coffee book published as well. Right. The right. book itself actually is a coffee oh table. Oh my god! Which and he's on Regis and Chappie. Just kills me. Regis just keeps sitting there. He's just like this guy's bonkers. Yeah. It's classic. Yeah. It's classic. It's a great episode. You want to borrow my puffy shirt? <laughs> yeah. A nice little reference there to the puffy shirt. I don't want to be a pirate. Um, yeah. This is my favorite. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria, huh? <laughs> Just loves him. Loves him. And it works out for him. Good for him. Just do the opposite, folks. Number one. Uh, so this one I think maybe a little bit different than the Nick Cage one, because I think once we got to number one on Nick Cage, you kind of knew what it was gonna we were going to be. This right. this could be any number of episodes though. Like there there we left a lot of good episodes off this list because it's yeah. such an iconic show. 
but for me, you know, a lot of people think the contest is the funniest. Uh, I've read a lot of, a lot of, I've, re- I've spent way too much time reading Seinfeld articles for a show that ended like 20 years ago. But the funniest episode, in my opinion, not just the most recognized, but is the funniest all around, is the Soup Nazi. Ah, uh, Soup Nazi. There's nothing in this episode that isn't funny. There is no lull. It is the most ingenious combination of just combining all these characters' flaws and strengths into one episode. Jerry's dating the girl. With the baby talk. Schmoopy. Yeah. They call him Schmoopy, Schmoopy, Schmoopy. He, uh, Jerry ends up breaking up with her. And George was doing it with Susan to kind of show Jerry how annoying it was. Then once Jerry breaks up with the girl, now George is stuck doing this with Susan. Yeah. He hates it. Of course. Obviously, they go to the soup place. The guy working there is a soup Nazi. It's a self-explanatory plot. He literally just yells at his, like, customers and basically tells them to go to hell if they don't order properly and fall in line and be very methodical about their ordering process. Uh, George asks where his bread is. The guy says $3. George says $3. Everyone in front of me got free bread, and then he kicks George out of the restaurant. Right. It's a, it's a classic episode. Appearances by Kenny Banya, which is always something I can get behind. Love Kenny Banya. Yeah, no, it's it just hits. I, I, the common denominator through the whole episode is that they all interact with said soup Nazi, and it's the little the little it's just buddies menu, with Kramer. Yeah, just buddies. loves Kramer, but the little minute things that he that soup Nazi kicks the rest of the note uh, of line for. That's great. Uh, it's just yeah, it's fantastic. It, it's got separate plot lines that all hit perfectly. And one that unites them all, and it's just yeah. as good. Now, what ties the whole episode together here is Elaine buys an armoire off a, off a guy on the street. It seems like a super separate pot plot line. Yeah. But eventually, Elaine finds the soup Nazis' old recipes in the new armoire because Somehow. the old one gets stolen. Yeah. So Kramer gets the soup Nazis' armoire, gives it to Elaine, the old recipes are in there. Elaine hates the guy, so she comes back to the restaurant and basically ruins him by saying, I know your secret, and that's how the episode ends. Elaine shuts him down. Yeah. Put him out of business. That's it. That's it. That's it for the Soup Nazi. That's it for our top ten. That's it for our top ten. Yeah. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. The the, the IMDB had the three-way tie for the the three that we had at one, two, three, so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) However... All right. We left five off of their top ten lists. So what know, else was on theirs? Uh, they they had the outing at number four. Nah. Uh, the abstinence at number seven. Ah. Uh, the chicken fan. roaster at eight. Yeah. The Hamptons at nine. Yeah. And the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. At 10. The Merv Griffin show. You could make an, an argument could there's, have been on ours as there's well. There's such a fine line. Like yeah. we did top ten. You, I think you, the you, I think the eleventh on ours was the engagement. That was the one I ended up yeah, cutting yeah, off once yeah, we combined. Yeah. But. Which yeah. starts... The, uh, it's difficult. Yeah. It's a hard show to rank. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we got out of the way early. We did. We would have haunted us. a lot of stress off of us. Yeah. Uh, top 10 Friends episodes are going to come at some point, but we're going to need a lot of time to prep for that yeah. one, because that's... We might have to do a top 10 hockey-related thing sooner than later. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, next week we'll we'll do something. Sure. We'll pick it later. Nice. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Keep you all waiting. Yeah. Um, Guess that's okay, it. so what's today? September, we're recording this September 12th, September 13th now, because it's after midnight. Ooh, late one. Um, 
We'll probably record next week, I think. I feel like enough's going to happen. James thinks Carlson's getting traded, so I might have to record live from the wedding this weekend. Mm. I won't make you do that. I, I know you're going to be pretty not, out of it. I'm not going to be recording. So. I'm going to need a few days off yeah. after that. But well, we'll see if we see it next week, uh, but uh, forgive us if we take that week off that we didn't take off this week because you we'll know, be around. the league decided to blow up. We'll be around. We will. We're thinking, we're thinking probably one more before the season comes out. Um, either next week or the week before the season starts. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're just we're just under three weeks now away from the season, so. Okay. Get ready. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, of course, we'll be weekly once the season starts. We It looks like we're probably going to be maybe like a Thursday podcast, actually, is, is kind of how it's shaping up. It's been Friday's last little while, so uh, oh. maybe when the season starts, we'll try to bump that up a day we're thinking, for you. Yeah, we're thinking Thursdays. We're thinking Wednesday night's the one night that's going to line up for us to, to record, so... We're hoping Thursday mornings we can put it out, but mm. some weeks it could be Fridays. We're going to see. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Anything? What, what do you got? You got anything to plug? No. You got any Salmon Association meetings you want everybody to get out to? Not yet. You should no. get into there. No. Take it down no. from the inside out. Hard no. What if my mom's a member? She used to fish a lot. That is a good point. Yeah. It could be like a region of Thunder Bay, so yeah. you're not safe because she lives in Rainy River. Alright. Yeah. Probably gave away too much information there. Your mom was going to be easy to track down. She's one of 66 residents of Rainy River. Yeah. True. Thanks, man. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Okay. That's it. I'm good. All right. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Yeah.